Welcome to the first day of summer, folks. I, I'll tell you, welcome back to what can often be an hour of respite for some, and uh, for others it could be background noise, just depending on how you view our little show here today. But in any event, I am glad that uh, you all are joining me today. Now, on today's show, I'm going to share a very, very recent experience that directly affected the negotiations for some property. And why is that important? Because it's also about relationships. That's right. <laughs> the peanut gallery speaks. All right, well, good. You know, it's always tough for me to try to intro people because they always want to talk before I even get to them. But that's okay. You all know who that voice is, and you can tell by the charming little giggle, little giggle going on there. over there, which is much better than the snorting that was done earlier by that same person. But nonetheless, many times the sheer amount of information provided on inspection reports can be... Um, overwhelming and to the buyer but guess what even to the agent and a lot of it has to do with how everybody involved in the party can understand what's being done in that report if i'm going to hand you a lot of pages of report whether you're an agent uh or a buyer or even a seller looking over that report because of some kind of negotiations going on I think learning about that information is pretty much vital and uh let's let's face it a lot of the people involved in this outside of the inspectors know a little bit about, but not nearly as much or how important some of these items may or may not be. Now, all of them are important. I can't, I can't tell you right now that a broken wall plate won't be a priority for somebody that I represent. I can't tell you that. Would it be my advice that there are bigger fish to fry on that report? Of course. But what I do think is, is that the relationships between the agents and the inspection teams out there are pretty important and I'm very fortunate to have uh, a good relationship a trusting relationship with with a an inspection team in particular and that is that of Redfish Inspection and in particular Mr. Will Mysegades Cheyenne Sprouse of Redfish Inspections who are joining me today Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Yeah. See, this is where you would say your first things like that instead of, you know, <laughs> mocking me throughout the opening. But before I I'm start. I'm excited to chat with you. <laughs> no, I, I, you know what? I look over and I see smiling faces and it always makes me feel good. But I do want to mention something before I start. So I'm working on this video thing, and uh, which I will inevitably put out. <laughs> so, um, but my first one's going to be about home warranties, guys. Look at all these choices that you, the consumer, may have. Now, when will you get those choices? How will you get those choices? How much will it cost? Will it cost you anything? Do you have to pay for it? We don't know. So that's things I'm going to kind of cover. I just wanted to throw that out there. But I also want your feedback on that videos. And then I also want to make a disclaimer. A lot of it's going to be done in the car on the road. And uh, I am paying attention to my driving. So I don't want to put anybody in danger. So just so you know, I will, you know. I am paying attention, so I just wanted to point that out as a you disclaimer. You always pay attention. Yeah, I know, but I want to make sure I'm paying attention to the road in particular. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to hurt myself. It's not a selfish thing. I just, you know. We want to keep you around. Yeah, I, I'd like to be around for at least, like I said, I'm here until at least 60. Is that all? That's kind of you young, man. Way, way I'm glad you're now. saying that, but uh, no, we'll see. I've lived my, like, I've, hey, I'm the first one. I already think I got the foot in the door already. Is it like 20 years from now? When is that? <laughs> wow. Flush. Yeah. Look at that. No, I, I am uh, close enough that, you know, <laughs> I, I should really start paying attention more to the road, apparently. So I, I figure, you know, 
If anybody's going to kill me, it might as well be me, but I don't want to hurt anybody else in the process. You know? well, my comment about paying attention is more as a general rule. I mean, I've seen you work with your clients and you pay attention. When you talk with people, you pay attention. That's what I like about you. Well, I appreciate that. So today's show, we're just going to trade compliments back and there forth, and this way we can do that. <laughs> so so first, um, I do want to ask, well, I, I know a couple shows ago I said, uh, you know, and again, not asking for always free things, but I'm asking, you know, because here I am promoting a certain company, and I, you know. Starbucks. And, and again, they are, Cheyenne mentioned today, they are closing down hundred and about 150 Starbucks. Wow. But in all fairness, I think there's probably at there's least. There's plenty. A, I, I That'll still leave one on every yeah, other corner. I, I was going to say, I think they overdid it more than 150. It took away the uniqueness. But I do like some product from Starbucks. But I want to mention this first. Well, first, let me finish what I pointed out with well. So how we how we coming along on the Redfish Inspections coffee cups? <laughs> Cheyenne. Joan. Wow. <laughs> we just passed that chain all the way down. So, Joan, if you're listening. Um, we want cups. Yeah. Feel free to call in. Uh, you I can... got plenty of Arctic. You want an Arctic? We got an Arctic. No, we just need to put our logo on it. We'll do that. Yeah. And then we'll be sponsoring you. And, uh, there you go. Wow. Look at that. You're welcome. Because I was thinking I could, you know, I was like, well, I even asked Joan today. I go, Joan, I, you know, I have Starbucks. I have no problem. Do you, you think we have something to put this in on? This way I can... Drink and I'll give it back when it's when I'm done. I'm not Fire. asking for free. She's <laughs> yeah. dropped the ball, Will. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'll boy. Redfish cup. <laughs> See that a lot of people would now. And again, with that, I kind of want to shout out that I do love coffee, and I want to throw this out there, not even as an advertising, because if I didn't like something, I wouldn't talk about it. But um, if you didn't know, Vinyl Draft Radio now has its own branded fresh roasted coffee. It's roasted here. In uh, and I believe it's in Kima where mm-hmm. it's roasted, um, local small operation, and it's specifically made for us. And it is a fantastic roast. Um, it's it's whole bean. They don't even grind it for you. So you know if you're going to do this, make sure you have a, a grinder. Or um, the very best you can just chew on the beans, I guess, if you're that hardcore. But it is really good, folks. I I, I go to the www.vinyldraftradio, and if you look, it'll say vinyl roast at the top. Take a look at it. Um, I, I, again, I'm not hawking. I don't get any commissions off of that. I just really like the product, and I even Delicious. so much so, I told the owners of the station that this is actually a good product, and I, I like to pride myself on coffee, despite the fact I'm drinking Starbucks, which you know <laughs> may or may not be good to you. Um, all right, so let's let's start on real subjects. Yeah, let, let's start on some some real things. Um, I alluded to this first part of the show is going to be about the relationships and some specific items on uh, inspection reports that do cause concerns. So I will kind of relay some of that information. But first, I uh, want to kind of let reintroduce the, the, the two guests I've had. We have them on once a month. Um, sometimes one of them a little bit more it just depends on you know what's going on and her availability so let's let's start out with with cheyenne just fill us in again cheyenne what 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 exactly do you do i'm the marketing <laughs> maven apparently you are the marketing <laughs> maven the mistress of marketing i mean there's so many things with m's we could throw that on yeah i think <laughs> uh yeah so moving along there uh, no i i have the fun job of just kind of going out into the community and working with agents and telling them a little bit about redfish and why they should work with us and you do that in it, you know, if if you have not met Cheyenne or you have not even heard her, you can. Where tell, have you been? Yeah, I mean, honestly, she she's she's she gets around. So she's like, what? Um, I want to say that I 
probably started with Redfish as a whole because of Cheyenne, because of her just being out there in the community, which I think you hired her for, Well, That was probably yes. the purpose. That was yeah. the goal. I mean, not why you hired her, but that was the goal, was that getting her out there. And she's that type of person there. And then you just backed it up with the performance of the team. We try. Yeah, no, you do. You do. So you don't have to do that. And so I think you're doing a pretty good job there. What do you got coming up? You have some stuff coming up. You are. I do. I've got Raymond. two events today. We're working on some classes. So what, what are your events today? Can, can we well, invite people? Maybe. <laughs> one is a new one. I'm actually working with um, Mandy Pistoni with a charter title. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah we're doing a, a hamburger club. So it's kind of a monthly trip to a hamburger joint around the area. And then at the end of the year, we're going to pick the best hamburger. So it's just a kind of fun, you know, mm. forum to get together, eat some good food and visit with realtors. I like that. Yeah. So it so is now. Do you did you already send invites to Burns, or are you just kind of saying? Hey, if you're listening, and you want to join us? Come join us today. Eleven thirty. We're going to be at Jolie's. Jolie's, and I believe that's in Kima, yep. if I remember correctly. And uh, I don't think I've had the burgers there. And she did invite me to go, and I can't go because I have uh, appointments uh, right after the show. Today. You mean you're working? I'm actually working. Um, which. The sad part is, is so is she. That's the thing. She, that, that is her job. I'm going to sample burgers today. Uh, Will, thanks for paying Tough me. Tough job. Thanks, Will. Yeah, yeah thanks, Will. Um, so, but there is a benefit to those things, and I think it's fantastic. Now, Charter Title, I have yet to even work with them, but I will say this. I have seen Mandy's uh, Facebook post, so yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the one day I'll be, be able to get a chance to meet her. Maybe we can get her in here. Um, maybe not, but I haven't yeah, had cool. a chance to work with them yet. Yeah, Sweet so lady. She seems cool. So, you know, like I said, it's all about relationships in this business. And what was the second? You said there was another. It's a Remax event, birthday bash. That's it's okay to mention, re- <laughs> guys. In case you haven't noticed, I am. He's I'm flying mu- the green flag. I'm much like Will. I am. I'm all about being competitive, but friendly competitive. And it's. I think if everybody is good at what we do and we work together. It just elevates our whole industry. Yep. So I am all for that. Matter of fact, I'm even contemplating bringing some, you know, out of brand real estate agents in to talk to that I find interesting, that I think do a good job, that I'd love to be awesome. Share. I don't. I don't see anything wrong with that. The more, the merrier. The, the more, the merrier. Ideas. So next week we'll have so and so from Inspection. No, I was going to say we've got Chris Murphy tuned in right now. He's one of our buddies. That's <laughs> hey, yep. Chris Murphy. Um, thanks for tuning in, Chris Murphy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a action down in Houston. There we go. And. That voice you hear is Will Myers Gates, and he is the owner, the the guiding force of Redfish Inspections. It's hard to say. It's like the Yoda of Redfish Inspections. The Yoda of Redfish Inspections. Mm-hmm. I like that because you do go around and travel to help other inspectors. You know, you're kind of like Batman in a way. There's a bat signal goes up, so a redfish oh, signal redfish goes signal. up. Oh, we need a redfish signal. Kind of like your signal in the window. Yeah, oh, you like that? Your decal. Yeah, yeah, we need to oh. put one in our office as well. Yeah. That, there you go. That's something. I, I've got a name that you can call and, and get that done. So <laughs> all, right. all about sharing. So Will is here um, again as often once a month that we can get him in here. But uh, how are things going, Will? How's business? Pretty good. So, Pretty I mean, good. We're, we're busy. And, yeah, I get to send out my guys 
uh, to go do inspections while I'm here at the radio show. And uh, so, yeah, you know, everybody's eating and everybody's serving and everybody's helping people out. So life is good right now. Yeah. And this is that time of year where life is good. Well, this is how I get to share things. And that's what this show is going to be about today. So I'm going to share how life is good for everybody, but how also working together can make everybody's life good. I think that's kind of fair. Now, folks, before we go into break, I want to remind you, if you want to listen to the rest of the show, please go to www.vinyldraftradio.com and you can hear us. But if you have Alexa in the TuneIn app, you can get us on there. You can simply say, you know, hey, Alexa, play Vinyl Draft Radio. And guess what? We will pop up. If you have Google Home or actually just just hold the, the speaker up and I'll say, Alexa, Play Vinyl Draft Radio, <laughs> and uh, hopefully it'll come on for you. But if not, you can find it on the TuneIn app, but you can go straight to the source, like I said, uh, VinylDraftRadio.com, and we'll be back shortly. Oh, hey, welcome back. We are live. <laughs> We're uh, talking lunch. <laughs> yeah, we are talking lunch. In case you haven't heard, we've, we've mentioned a few good restaurants, and you've just missed out on that. But if you've heard, then welcome back. That was a rather quick commercial. What we do, play like half a commercial on that, Tegan? Um, Thanks, Tegan, for that heads up on that live. Yeah, we could have done that. (laughs) Well, that's okay. Well, you know. Welcome back. It's, it's, folks, if you're just joining us, you are joining us with the Redfish Inspection Dynamic Duo. And there's also a behind-the-scenes team that you should also do a shout-out to because they all help make redfish what it is today yeah you know in the in the office we have we have an awesome staff so we have joan stewart so she's our office manager then you have karen collier she's uh, our morning shift client care coordinator and then then we have Rhonda sprouse and she's our afternoon client care coordinator so those are the two voices that you'll hear on the phone when you call and you order an inspection and that is awesome. And it's, you know, you could just call them and talk to them, too, because they're just nice people that way. Mm-hmm. I, I actually have called and, you know, and I haven't recently probably just saved them some time. So anyway, folks, I had promised you that we are going to talk about a very real recent response where I felt that everybody involved uh, was helpful. So I'm going to just lay the backdrop to you in in real estate. There are in the real estate contracts, there's plenty of things you can negotiate. Um, and during that process, one of the things that you do is, is you have a certain period of time that you can, you know, that you have an option to terminate your contract at any point. And a lot of, a lot of agents and buyers and sellers view that period, even though they're not mutually, mutually exclusive, they view that time as a time to do their inspections just in case something comes up with as little liability as possible, they can back out of the contract if they if they need to, if they can't negotiate some things. And inspections are a big part of that. And so understanding what the inspection is uh, saying to you is kind of key. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna share a little secret here that not a lot of people know, but believe it or not, there are a lot of people that don't really understand a few of those things on the inspection report. No, I understand that. I didn't know any of it at the beginning. Yeah, and and I've been I'm constantly learning, and this is uh, you know I'm in my tenth or eleventh year, a uh, tenth year of real estate, and uh, I'm still learning. And I may under have a shortened version of it, and sometimes you don't need to go into long versions to help your clients understand what it's about. But it's good to have as agents relationships with with uh, an inspection team or teams that you can trust and that industry-wide are being trusted and 
I sent an email out to one specific team member um, of an of an inspection team, and it just happened to be Will at Redfish. And because I I have seen his work, I have uh, I have a relationship where it's a trusting relationship. But here's the thing: Will was not Will and the Redfish team was not even involved in this inspection. I was representing the seller in this, and I received a repair request from an agent with some things that, in my mind, I knew were not overall critical for the deal to go through or not, but the buyer felt they were. So part of working part, I knew that meant that the agent was unfamiliar with these things as well. And so I I was like, well, can you help look at this? It's not saying that the other inspection company that actually did the report did anything wrong. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. They did their job. They pointed out things wrong. But how it translated to somebody, especially from out of state, if you didn't live in Texas, there's a lot of things, you know, every state's different, mm-hmm. I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of things that can cause problems. So I, uh, I want to just tell you now, it was indeed Will that responded to my questions about these issues to help me explain what we're about to discuss. Um, so, Will, first I wanted to thank you for that. And I didn't know if you realized how important that relation the relationship between us is for me for my clients and i wanted to thank you for that oh you're very welcome i'm glad i could help out and you really demonstrated your knowledge uh, on a lot of things and you did it in a way that was so indicative of the way you actually deal with the clients in the homes by the way um the email was very easy to understand comprehend it wasn't too technical like reports will be mm-hmm. in general um and in the, uh, the inspector is a big part of how people feel about those results in the home ha- are you ever privy to if a deal kind of dies or not often very rarely and so um, i love getting feedback you know when we do get repeat clients I usually ask, you know, why they didn't go with the previous inspection that we did. Why, did, why didn't they buy that house? So they'll give me, you know, two or three reasons. But, it, you know, it would be nice to get more feedback from the agents and kind of see, you know, the whole picture. Because we've dealt with clients who just, they just didn't want to buy the house. And so they were kind of trying to come up with whatever excuse to get out right. of the deal. That can happen. And, and they'll use our report to do that. And, you know, we have no, we don't have anything in the game. So, I mean, we're like, we just did our job. We got paid for what we did. Whether the house, you know, sells or not doesn't matter to us particularly. Um, and that's what keeps us, you know, unbiased. And so, um, so yeah, no, I love getting feedback when I can. Because it helps me understand your world as well. Right. You know, how do you guys operate and, and what what do you have to go through, what kind of struggles you go through over negotiations over an inspection report? And, you know, that helps me write the reports a little differently, a little better. Um, and I'm always constantly trying to improve those reports and the way that we write our narratives to explain it in clear, simple words so that all parties understand. So from an inspection company standpoint, it would, it would be safe to say that the, the business you get most of the time is from a real estate agent. And the more that they trust the real estate company or the real estate inspection company to, I guess, explain things mm-hmm. to the client is really key because I would imagine the number one complaint about an, any inspection company, if there are complaints about them, is, is that they scare our clients, which mm-hmm. really is not 
your job to scare or not scare and that's not what you're intent to do as an inspection company you're you're identifying areas yep but i love that you say that you're learning how to uh, y- y- you continually learn to adapt so feedback is key on that but i can tell you that that's why we recommend certain inspection companies is be- as real estate agents because we can trust that it's going to be thorough but it's not going to be presented in a way with that every little thing is going to make that house a piece of crap, really, mm-hmm. and scare people away. That's what it comes down to. And as soon as you're known as a company to do that, whether you're an individual or a team uh, inspection company, I think that's that's a problem. So the door is always open for, I, I know, in Will's world to learn more. And it's evident in the uh, email that uh, I'm going to share with you guys on this. Sometimes. All right. All right. So <clears throat> let's see. I emailed Will about a certain property because I was concerned that um, that uh, the agent had sent over a, a, a repair request, and it, it, it included items that you know could be serious, you know, uh, electrical items. But after a while of doing this, I'm able to say, okay, I, I, this is more of a code. And Will, can you clarify what is what is the difference between being up to code versus being a safety hazard can you clarify that for me real quick or for everybody you know if i say you know it's up to code or it's not up to code should i say is that something that needs to be seriously considered it depends on what it is exactly and what makes that the difference what's the biggest difference whether there's a true real safety hazard or not so it's kind of all right I have to watch out with how I answer this because so as home inspectors, we're not code inspectors and we're always walking that fine line where we need to know the code in order to identify the deficiencies. But we're not we're not allowed to really quote the code because we're not ICC certified or we don't necessarily have that training in in code. Um, But we always try to keep up with the code to see what changes. So you have over the years codes change um, because technology changes and people have you know new information on what happens uh, if something is done differently and so they they just adapt the code they change it but many many times um, you know a house is what we call grandfathered and so they're not going to you know bring a house up to today's codes to sell a house because it doesn't make any sense because a lot of the things that change are just they've adapted over the years um so that's why i say you know the hmm. code changes are done for a purpose i don't understand all of them you know why they change them but there is a reason behind it and so whether they're good changes or not you know that's only time will tell Right. And, and, and codes are basically adapted from, you know, like I said, it could be from a safety standpoint that someone could be. Um, and I don't know if this is a code, but something I just learned about electrical work is like uh, a light. If you have a two gang light switch, switch box, the one on the left or closest to the door is always your light. Now, I don't know if that's a code, um, but. Those are the kind of things that someone could make a code at. A city could make a code yeah. saying that's always. So is that vital to the sale of a house? That's where your knowledge and your relationship with an inspection uh, team can really come in handy as an agent, not only from for the buyer standpoint, but also the seller standpoint, because you don't want your client 
spending money to, you know, $7,500 for an electrician to come out and switch a switch. Now, I'm not saying that's a code. I'm just saying I just learned that's what some codes could actually be about mm-hmm. yep. to the level. Then there's others where, you know, I, you know, you could talk about any other industry, you know, batteries explode, you know, yep. so, so they don't allow them on planes now or whatever it may be. Um, so those, those kind are in there. But I do like the explanation you gave me that um, you put, FYI, the remarks I'm making with the code requirements and their dates are when the codes were adopted as a whole. But it does not mean that the city in which the house was built necessarily adopted the code. So Will's covering the basis that this is a code from Texas Real Estate Commission that, that we we kind of look at and look for and that I'm noting. But it doesn't mean it's really active in the city. But it may be. But it's, again, you're informing the consumer Correct. versus warning. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference yep. there. Okay. Well, I wanted to thank you for that. So the other thing I want to hammer before we get into even more was that inspections or inspection companies are regulated by the Texas Real Estate Commission. So inspectors are, and they, they cover everything much like they do in the real estate business. So there are certain things you have to do, have to report. But I also think you probably go above and beyond that for the most part in terms of the reporting. We do. Yeah. And that's not to, not to show that you know everything, but to show that you're being thorough. Yeah. We, we try to give as much information to give a bigger, clearer, accurate picture of what the house is and that's really what you want from an inspection company then part b will be what we're about to dive into a little bit more of because i have some specific things now that we want to talk about all right hopefully you know you won't have to rethink these things and how you say them all right folks stay tuned for some real specific information to learn about inspections Hey, welcome back, folks. You are listening to the Bring It Home Radio Show live, like Adam Smasher just said, live from the Associated Credit Union of Texas studio. And with me today, we have the maven of marketing, Miss Cheyenne Sprouse, Redfish Inspection fame and fortune. Right? Ooh, fancy. Yeah. We Esquire, so we could do comma Esquire. <laughs> and then we have Mr. Will Mysgates. He's just the owner of Redfish Inspections. Bonjour tout le monde. <laughs> Bonjour tout le monde. And that means bonjour, my friend. Or, everybody. Uh, everybody. So everybody. two, it's like two would be you in a lot of different languages, but two is every, I don't know. Yep. Oh, look mm-hmm. at that. I'm learning, but not. So it's really good. All right, folks, we have been talking about some things about inspection, but I'm going to ask some specific things about that you may see on an inspection report that Will has addressed for me. Um, one being the AFCI. Now, mm-hmm. what is AFCI first and foremost? Tell me what that is, AFCI. Arc fault circuit interrupter what's the difference between that and gfci one protects the building and the other one protects the person okay okay Mm -hmm. now why is this an issue i'm going to tell you from a real estate standpoint then will's going to school me from a real estate um if this is identified and the actual identification was the lack of an afci Mm -hmm. in the panel yep in the in the breaker box for those of us that call that um the main breaker box um I'm going to tell you from an electrician standpoint, a real estate standpoint, when we see that, we no no concern. But if you don't know that, you're not just going to take my word for it, especially if you're another agent or on the opposite side of that negotiating table. So um, I go off for professional opinion. Will, is this important? Should this be something that my client, the seller, should consider fixing for um for the buyer, is it in the terms of scope of things? Not that it shouldn't be, but in the scope of things, is this something among others that should really be considered from a safety standpoint? 
Well, my answer is liability. Be, yeah, it, my answer is always going to be yes. yes. <laughs> now let's talk about what you put on the email, yes. which was again, yes, it is important, mm-hmm. but it has been removed as a requirement on your report. Correct. So what happened was a few years ago, the Texas Real Estate Commission required inspectors to write it up as a deficiency when AFCIs were not present in the panel. And so we were writing them up. And apparently that caused a lot of heartburn for many, many sellers, agents, buyers, agents, Mm -hmm. just, you know, buyers and sellers. And so uh, last year or two years ago, I forget exactly when, uh, Trek finally decided that they're going to remove the requirement of us needing to write it up as a deficiency. So now it's up to the home inspector to decide, do they want to include it or not? We decide to include it more as an information reason than anything else. Uh, On new construction, we would write it up and we'd write it up really hard too because it is a requirement for today's standards. Right. Uh, but on an older house, no, that, that, would be, that would mean bringing the panel up to code, which nobody's going to do. Right, and because be it's not just that. If you, yeah, it's not just a, you know, and again, it comes up to that code thing. So let me also stress to kind of back Will up here on the importance of these items. None of these items that we mentioned are not being negotiated because they're not important. They're they're being negotiated because the buyer felt it was important mm-hmm. to address, and maybe out of just not knowing some things, i.e., this is a code thing. So, is it something you should really expect a seller to fix if their house was not? Because really, these code things don't get changed or brought up to code in most cases until it's actually needed, i.e. something, you know, you replace the box that everything else would be brought up in the box to Mm -hmm. code, um, you know, or, you know, you did something that applied to that. Now, just to clarify the AFCI, um, what is the purpose of the AFCI? To protect the building. And I can give you a, uh, actually, an example that I experienced on my five-year-old house where my wife plugged in something in, in the outlet and it didn't work and it was the light was kind of flickering and so um and i knew that we were having issues with our cheap builder and so um i went into the panel because my bathroom lights were not working anymore my living room outlets and lights were not working my tv wasn't working can't have that with four kids tv's got to work and so i went into the panel and the breaker the afci breaker kept tripping and so um, so I replaced the, the breaker, thinking, okay, maybe it's just a faulty one. And then when I would turn that breaker back on, it would trip instantly with everything unplugged from any of those plugs. Oh, that's weird. It, it really is weird. And so I started digging into you know, the whole event, how this happened. And finally, I just pulled out the, the outlet that my wife had plugged the appliance in. And it was completely scorched. It was broken. Um, the wiring inside the, ju- the junction box um, had exposed wiring in it, so the sheathing was completely damaged. And so the breaker was actually doing its job. So what it did is instead of arcing and creating a fire in the wall, the breaker tripped instantly. And so doing its job. Huh. So yes, they're, they're quite important. They're, they're an important, important feature. So I just replaced the outlets and things were working fine. Right. Yeah. And, and, and again... The solution was not to change the AFCI. It was solution was to find the problem Correct. and then fix it, which in this case, you knew yep. what you were doing and was able to find. Yeah. Now, 
if I am reading this correctly, and I have talked to a couple of electricians not to justify anything, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that now, but all of, are these the same circuits that they say that trip all the time anyway? Is so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can talk to many people, and mm-hmm. you'll have 50% of the people who like the AFCIs and 50 who don't. Same thing with the GFCIs. And that code has changed. So, again, you know, we're going to talk about code. The code cycles are uh, every three years. And they, they constantly change where they take things back out, they put them back in, they, and, and they're constantly evolving those codes. And so you'll have electricians who won't like certain new codes because they think it's needless uh, or the, yep, gotcha. the, you know, the, the breaker in itself doesn't work properly or there, there's always going to be a reason why they don't like it. In my particular case, I was glad that I had those breakers because we would have kept trying to plug the appliance in and it could have created a fire in my wall. Right, and the complaint being from those who don't like those breakers, electrician-wise, is mm-hmm. that um, they just always pop. And yep. and even if there's no reason to, if there's just too much moisture in the air, which in Houston that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. So we can understand, but in like you said, your case, it, it turned out that wasn't the case. You, it, There was a problem yep. that was identified. So again, better to be safe than sorry in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Does this mean that because of that, and again, I'm not asking Will to answer that, but does this mean that that's something that you should just do as a seller? That's what we were trying to determine. In this case, it was a code thing. Um, we felt it was unreasonable to ask them to bring it up to code. And bring a full panel up to code yeah. would be unreasonable, in my opinion. Right, uh, and, and that's your opinion, and, and, that's, and that's what I'm saying. So that became, I was able to demonstrate that with mm-hmm. help of that particular passage as to why it was a code thing versus uh, you're going to die if you don't do it mm-hmm. thing. So I want the seller to do And that's kind of what we do when we're working with it. Um, another thing that we had talked about, which ended up being something that we actually did fix because we were able to identify concerns, were multiple ground wires under the same terminal. Mm-hmm. Um, what Will rightly pointed out, you pointed out to me that uh, – you know, most of these panel plates will tell you either two to three can be under one screw. And if you haven't seen that, it's basically just the ground wires for all. Mm-hmm. The all, copper wires. Yeah, the copper wires. So, um, which are, by the way, the same as neutral wires in a lot of cases, if you look. Um, well, he say no, but okay, I've talked to it. We're not going to debate that because that was an electrician thing that told me that. So I'm not going to try to put skills together. So let's not go there. But I wanted to uh, talk about this. There was, you identified, just by the pictures by this inspector took, a few of these where they had like five or six yep. under there. Now, why is this? First off, tell me, why why is that dangerous? It, it's always a potential, so it, it's not necessarily dangerous. The reason why I believe the codes require or the panel manufacturer requ- require you know, generally up to three of the wires of the same gauge is so that each wire is properly secured under that screw. And so when you have five or six, there's a potential that one of them is going to be loose in between those five wires. Gotcha. And so they want to make sure that everything is secured and has the full contact everywhere. Okay. Mm-hmm. And with that armed with that information, we were able to say, look, this we agree because our professionals are telling us this is a concern. The potential is there, mm-hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna take care of that potential, and that's something that helped both sides. Again, it was a little give, a little take on some of these items. So I just wanted to point that out because if you look in your own breaker box, 
if you're brave enough. Um, Chances are you're going to find, well, you might not know, but you have a lot of deficiencies in them. Right. And here's the thing. Even the electricians that do this work will even figure out, you know, most of them won't go past two. But if you add things that go on, sometimes you just put more. In this particular case, just so you know, I did have an electrician come out and fix that because we said this is something that we, mm-hmm. you know, would consider and agree with. And uh, he came out and he was like, I don't even know why they did that because he's got enough. Enough. He, he's got enough stuff in the bus. So that yep. was just someone being lazy. And you could tell it was the original way they did it because yep. it was just done. It looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. But we could just see that underneath there. So anyway, so even... Again, people just get a little lazy sometimes, or maybe they cut their <laughs> ground too short or something like that. Just just so you know. Um, let's see. All right, so I've only got a minute left, so I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about next, and then Will can kind of do that. Um, the inspector did not indicate if the grounds and neutrals uh, on the same bar are in a sub-panel or main panel. That confuses me because I'm working with subpanels and I understand, but there's a difference in law in codes here. Or mm-hmm. Correct. Are they codes that we're calling it? Um, we, we call can. it rules, codes. So in my report, it's going to be standards. We're never going to quote code. There we go, because they are not code, code inspections. Code inspections. Mm-hmm. Ah, I like that. Standards. All right. So we are going to talk about standards when we come back with Will in, uh, with Will in particular, but I guess we can talk to Cheyenne about standards too. She's like, huh? Are you learning anything? Because yeah, from what I know, from what I know about you, this is a guy you should be listening to right now. All right, (laughs) all right, folks. Well, we appreciate you being here, and we will be back with some more Will and Cheyenne. And can you believe it is almost over? Yeah, I'm going to have to go through this email really quickly. I've got a couple more that I want to hit after this one. So maybe we're going to do the little bullet point stuff. Boom. All right, folks, stay tuned. We got speed round coming up in a couple minutes. Hey, welcome back. I can say that to everybody listening, but not Cheyenne, who is not here. I'm looking at an empty She's probably chair. getting coffee. All right. Well, that's her own bad because I said this is going to be a speed round, so we're going to talk about it. All right, Well, So there are differences in rules when it comes to a panel and sub-panel. Not going to get into all those, but my big question is this. It's the grounding that is kind of different on uh, on uh, Subpanels. There's some things that you allow in a main panel that you can't allow in a subpanel. Correct. So, what is that main one in in regards of grounds? Because I'm doing working on that, and I don't want to just blow up my house. It's really your uh, your bonding, not okay. necessarily the grounding. All right. Uh, which are two completely different uh, things. But so, in your particular case with this um, with this panel, and and I never really got confirmation whether it was a, a subpanel or a, or a and it was a main panel. It was a main panel. Okay. Um, so in subpanels, your neutrals and your grounds cannot be bonded, meaning they cannot be connected to each other in either way, shape, or form. Um, so you have what we call a floating neutral bar in the subpanel, to where it's on a you know it's going to be you're going to have like a plastic some form of you know separation between the bus bar, the neutral bus bar, and the panel. Okay. And uh, the reason is um, there is a potential that if there is a, um, a surge, then your metal appliances in the house can become energized. Gotcha. And so that's the explanation, at least in the code commentaries. And so that's the reason why they need the neutrals and grounds have to be separated. Um, and so in the, in the service panel, they're fine. They can be on the same In the bar. sub-panel, they need to be separated. In the sub-panel, they have to be separated. In the panel, the service panel, they, ha- they, they have to be bonded, actually. 
Okay. So they just cannot be, uh, one ground and one neutral cannot be under the same terminal, under the same screw. Okay. So that's just the, the difference. Well, that's important to know because, again, it does make a difference then between panel and subpanel. So, again, this particular report didn't identify that mm-hmm. in, in, say, they just cited a standard. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Cited a standard. No, even a code. I mean, yeah. it's... Well, I'm trying to stay away from the word sure. code. Well, like I said, in our go back reports, and, forth, and I mean. when we talk to people <laughs> buying houses, we're not going to quote code. All right. So. Trying to learn. I want to talk will. This is what we want to do. All right. All right. The other b- big thing, guys, that I always see on every, every report, I don't mm-hmm. care how old the house is or how new the house is, if it's on there, it always gets addressed. GFCIs, not to be confused with the AFCIs. The GFCI protects the person. Right. And that's inside the house. That's the plug. And outside. Yeah, and outside. And in it's the garage. Their, their plugs. Yes. Their plugs. There are so many different rules for these GFCIs out there that have changed through the years. Now, they're all like same, but I'm saying they've changed and adapted so much. Yep. Like if your house was built before this, then it's grandfathered if it's built after this. So I'll give you an example of, uh, of what that was. First off, exterior outlets and anything exterior needs to be connected, you know, if it's even if it's in the same circuit to one GFCI at least, if, correct? Yes. So all you have to do is, is replace the one outlet that's upstream with a GFCI outlet and all the other outlets under there are going to be uh, protected. Okay. Now, with that being said, they don't have to be, so I'll take that back if they're within certain years, like grandfather. They should be, right? Because yes. just, it's what it is. So, again, but, we're giving information. Correct. And then it's up to the buyers and the sellers to negotiate whether they want to get that fixed. Um, it's also going to be very subjective to the inspector, you know, whether he has or she has personal experience with the lack of GFCIs and if their kids got electrocuted or whatever, or even if they got electrocuted. So... Um, so yeah, it's it's quite our, our job is quite subjective. Right. Um, so what we're doing, hmm. we're just giving information, and just like I did with uh, with replying to your email, giving you different dates at the times that the GFCI were a requirement per code, um, and then I believe most of them were after your house was particular. That particular house was right, built, with so. except with exception of one, the exterior outlets or uh, which are not tripping, which we we were easy to replace. I'm not saying. Don't hire an electrician, mm-hmm. but I'm saying if you can replace plugs in your house, then you've done that. This, if the wiring's there, you can you could certainly do it. There, there is a different type of wiring, right? That goes, or is it just a standard? I'm trying to remember. Well, the the outlet's going to be different. Yeah, the outlet's yeah. definitely going to be different. It's going to be thicker. It's going to have a button in it. But is there the number of wires are all the same? Yes. Okay. All right. So really, it's just a. Matter of changing out plugs and faceplate, probably because you probably have to different shape, yeah, of different the shape of the outlet. Um, but you put that uh, GFCI protection of the exterior outlets came into effect in 1973. So yes, if it's not working, you should fix it. If it already has it, if it doesn't have it, you could justify not putting it in because the house was built before 73. Not that you would want to. Just do. a little correction. It was actually before that. So what I, it's what I meant was all exterior outlets came into effect in 73. Okay, gotcha. In 71, they were required within 15 feet of swimming pools. Hmm. That's so, interesting. Yep. And that just tells you how detailed people get. And what I tend to think about those things is that these these codes get updated, these standards get updated because someone got hurt somewhere, potential. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in this particular field, there are a lot of other things out there that people do just to make money. But this is not one of them because it's not regulated by the electricity people. I don't know. I don't know what you call them there. The the mafia of electricity. I don't know. Um, here's another funny one. Not even funny. Outlets in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is a big thing. Um, I took a measuring tape to 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 make this point. Okay. All right. So. There was one where there was, hey, we're supposed to have a GFCI over here and over here. One by the sink. Mm-hmm. You got them right next to the sink. You, you need a GFCI. Yep. Um, but I think your exact thing was is that uh, in the laundry room we were talking about, the, the, the GFCIs are, need to be if there's a sink in the laundry room and... And I like that. If the outlets are within six feet mm-hmm. of that sink. Correct. We took a measuring tape just to make sure. Did they have a sink in the laundry room? No, they didn't. Oh, so it's, it doesn't need to Right, be. but I wanted to see sure. how big is this room going to be, this laundry room, if you're going to have a, a sink in here. Because mm-hmm. that could be potentially there. Mm-hmm. And someone can argue back to me that, you know, well, we're gonna, we were going to put a sink in there. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to see, you know, just, just for my own edification. But I will tell you. We also looked in the kitchen, and the kitchen, do they have that six-foot rule from, from the sink in the kitchen? Nowadays or when the house was built? Nowadays. Nowadays, it, all outlets in the kitchen have to be GFCI protected. And that just means one, the first one in the branch, right? It means the outlets have to be GFCI protected, whether it's protected by just one outlet and then all the Downstream outlets are connected to that. Or, gotcha. Okay, because yeah. I don't want people thinking they have to go and put, you know, they should put no, GFCI in each one. After they tell you not to do that. No, because then they become redundant. And right. Then, and when you trip one outlet, then you need to make sure all of your outlets are reset before you can actually reset that one particular outlet, if that makes any sense. All right, so uh, we're going to finish up with some results. And this is what we're, we're, it really gets technical. So the kitchen outlets on each side of the cooktop mm-hmm. are now required to be of GFCI. Here's the key: are now yes. required. Uh, Dorsey's here, so I'm taking up more of my time. Um, <laughs> each side of the GFCI, pretty much any outlets in the kitchen at this point. That's yep. what that means. Mm-hmm. However, it came into effect in 1996. So in this particular case, it was two years after the house was built. Yep. I like how you put this. The trick will be this. Are those outlets within six feet of the kitchen sink? And that's why I said, we took the measuring tape to that too. It was six feet, three inches in the kitchen. So I said, look, we're not, we're not, we're not doing that one. Mm-hmm. You know, I got three and I took a picture of the measuring tape. Gosh, there's so many things I want to talk about to you. And I guess we just have to next. I'll tell you what. Next show, I promise, Will, I will have specific lists. And I'll start. The first thing I'll do is a question. I won't even talk about <laughs> Starbucks anymore. Um Folks, next week we have a big show come up, and it will be 100% Facebook Live. I'm not going to tell you on air what it's about, but I want you to pay attention to Facebook because I will be posting some hints about what's coming up next week. It's going to be a spectacular, hopefully not a craptacular, because it's, <laughs> it's but actually this Ours might help. fabulous. I don't doubt it. I've seen some of it. Folks, we are going to have fun next week. We look forward to... Uh, having you all watch us, um, we're going to reintroduce the panel of experts and make another few announcements. So until next week, enjoy your weekend and wherever you are, enjoy the first day of summer.